Yes, you are. It's the John Curley Sherry Ellicker Show, and you're coming along with a ride. Much appreciated. You can write to us at MyNorthwest.com. Come on in through the Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line at one 973 All welcome to My shirt I made, Sherry? Yeah, I was going to try to tell you that we couldn't see it before. So now it's in full view. And I believe the message is MLK is greater than DEI. Yes. And you made that? You you went to the printing press? I went press online and... to this, this coat. What is it called? Hold on. Why don't you pull that off? Yeah, good idea. I did. Uh, custom ink. You online, so I made a bunch of them. Yeah, I made a whole bunch of them. Huh? Are they for sale? Nice. No, just give them away. Oh. I want people to know. It's uh, my little battle against DEI. There is another thing. You know, so anyway, paying for Catholic school for somebody. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> giving away clothes. It's giving away clothes. So if you you want one of these babies, and it's good quality, Sherry, feel that. Oh, it feels nice. Oh, that's a tease. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Huh? Okay, huh? okay, yes. MLK, greater than DEI. Greater want than to DEI. Crush DEI. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. So you can wear this shirt and anybody can talk to you about it. And you'd be like, yeah, I just, I believe, um, I believe what uh, Martin Luther King said. Let's judge people by the content of their character. Um, so there you go. Made a what I what does one it. have to do to get a shirt like that? Just text Joe. Okay. But uh, you can't just give out willy nilly, Joe. Yeah, like why? So I need. I want somebody who's going to be able to advocate as to why. Like, don't just put it on because oh, we got a free shirt. You know, it's you wear it. So if somebody says to me about it, it's like, here's why. This is why DEI is so dangerous. This is why MLK's words should still ring true in everyone's mind and everyone's hearts. The idea of content of character that would be a, a greater battle cry than just judging people um, as DEI does through the basic tenets of racism and oppress oppressor and the whole critical race theory of DEI garbage that we're being forced to uh, have to deal with every single day. So Now, if, if one churches. is able to uh, adequately articulate everything you just said, do they have sizes to choose from? I have a, this is a, oh, thanks, Joe, for asking. Now, this is a small, but you don't need big muscles, just small shirts. So I got a small, a medium, and a couple of larges, and a few extra larges for some of our our, our husky listeners that may be out there on this particular bit. <laughs> husky in the sense, not not uh, University of Washington. You're really wearing just, uh, a small. Yeah. Wow. They're too. They're too small. Okay. It's, I mean, it's too. They're cut too big. Anyway, let's do this. I'm trying to find Joe's email to me. Where is it? What's the next one? I'm so busy giving away shirts. <laughs> <laughs> you need some help? Oh, um, so Davos, every single year, I don't know how long they've been doing this, but the elites of the world, they fly into this exclusive place where the rich of the rich of the rich of the rich go. They all fly in with their uh, private jets. They fly in $3,000 an hour prostitutes. Uh, they do a whole bunch of drugs, a whole bunch of drinking, and then they get together on the stage and tell us what we're supposed to do. These are unelected people. Most of them are unelected, but they're the smart people. These are the elite. These are the elite. And they're even defined if you go to any sort of media, they'll explain, oh, the elite are meeting. The elite are meeting. So the elite meet and... They tell us what we're supposed to do. They, they, they advocate for uh, green energy. They 
Um, the, the big theme this year is stopping misinformation and trust and then having the narrative that all humans are yearning for. And they're really seeing their big push this year is misinformation and getting people to trust institutions again, institutions in order to be able to control institutions that would be able to take the power from each individual and give it to one collective group. Those would be the elitists. Those would be the billionaires and millionaires that want to control messages and get, you know, people to sort of get in line again. They, they stand up on high and they tell the rest of us that we're deplorables. We're just a bunch of morons. Uh, and we need to change our ways so that the world is saved, according to the folks at Davos. The president of um, Heritage, which I'm surprised this guy was even invited, but he, I don't know why they invited him. I I read the Heritage Foundation uh, emails that they send out once a week. So Kevin Roberts sitting up there on the stage, I'm sure that it wasn't well received, but he, he spoke, I think, for anybody that feels threatened by a bunch of millionaires and billionaires telling us how we're supposed to live. The very reason that I'm here at Davos is to explain to many people in this room and who are watching, with all due respect, nothing personal, but that you're part of the problem. Political elites tell the average people on three or four or five issues that the reality is X, when in fact reality is Y. Take immigration. Elites tell us that open borders and even illegal immigration are okay. The average person tells us in the United States that both rob them of the American way of life. They're right. President Trump will take that on on behalf of the average American. Elites also tell us that public safety isn't a problem in big American cities. Just travel to New York or Washington or Dallas, Texas. The average person will tell you that the lack of public safety damages not just the American way of life, but their life. President Trump will take that on. Thirdly, I guess the favorite at the World Economic Forum, is climate change. Elites tell us that we we have this existential crisis with so-called climate change, so much so that climate alarmism is probably the greatest cause for mental health crisis in the world. The solutions, the average person know, based on climate change are far worse and more harmful and cost more human lives, especially in Europe during the time that you need heating than do the problem and the problems themselves. Fourth, two more here, Robin. The fourth, China. The number one adversary, not just to the United States, but to free people on planet Earth. Not only do we at at Davos not say that, we give the Chinese Communist Party a platform. Count on President Trump ending that nonsense. And fifth, as we sit here, another supranational organization, the World Health Organization, is discussing foisting gender ideology upon the global south. These are practices that are under review, if not being rejected, by countries in Northern Europe. The new president, especially if it's President Trump, will, as you like to say, trust the science. He will understand the basic biological reality of manhood and womanhood. And do you know why? Not because of retribution, not because he's a dictator, but because he has the power of the American people behind him. And it's connected to Senator Portman's excellent point that in addition to needing a vigorous executive, we look forward to having the popular will inform both the House and Senate in 2025 to pass laws on all of those issues and many others. Ultimately, Robin, I think President Trump, if in fact he wins a second term, 
is going to be inspired by the wise words of Javier Millet, who said that he was in power not to guide sheep, but to awaken lions. That's what the average American and the average free person on planet Earth wants out of leaders. There you go. Yeah, I, I'm amazed. At the And the media always does this thing like, oh, the, here come all the conspiracy theories about Davos. You can just listen to these people. They really have this idea that they know best and the rest of us are a bunch of morons and just follow them. They're, the, what they would like to be able to institute it, it really coming up, their big thing this year is all about misinformation. It's all about the control of information and how you get it and what is said and how you say it and then making sure people that are saying things that might be outside the bounds um, are stopped from expressing ideas that are dangerous to the collective of of how we should all be living our lives. Uh, it's a weird group of people when they stand up there and it's very strange because they're on this stage and everybody's like 50 feet apart from each other and the big blue background and they're telling us about how global warming is an existential threat and then they get in their jets and fly away. It's like, it just feels odd. The whole thing seems strange that this thing happens on a regular basis. And most people don't pay much attention to it, but I like the way um, Kevin Roberts from the Heritage Foundation basically explained, you guys don't get it. One of the reasons that Donald Trump was elected uh, in 2016 was because people were seeing the elites. They saw Hillary Clinton as the elite, as part of the system, not understanding them. They had a problem with immigration, our borders being porous. They had a problem with the fact that they were telling us, oh, the economy is fine. What are you complaining about? Things are fine. And things were not good for them. So these are two of the things I saw. Brett Stevens wrote a piece in The New York Times basically explaining why he won in 2016 and why he might win again. So it was borders, uh, economy. What was the third one? He came up with a third one that people were uh, aware of that Trump sort of spoke to that uh, was missed by anybody else in the, on the left. Safety? Was it safety? Yeah. It was public yeah, safety. Yeah, public safety. That the, the crime was running rampant. And people wanted, you know, law and order. And as soon as you use the term law and order, all of a sudden he was a racist and all this other stuff. It's like, no, people are like, no, I just want to all walk down the street and not get robbed. And even his uh, the speech that he gave there at the Capitol, uh, his inauguration speech, and it was all described by the media as dark and uh, dystopian descriptions. It was hy hyperbolic in its nature. But just as ridiculous as Joe Biden wanting to, uh, you know, heal the soul of the nation, the president is unable to do that. Thank God for the Constitution for limits the healing of souls. Nobody in government can heal souls. But as ridiculous as Biden's was and as hyperbolic as Trump's was when he gave the speech about what America looked like and how he was going to turn things around, people are like, yeah, that's what it feels like to me. And that's why I voted for him in 2016, they say. And they're missing it again because he's still hitting those issues. Because now, for the, for the average voter out there, it's like, you know what? Of course, time makes all memories golden. But they're like, you know what? The economy wasn't so bad. I could pay for gas. I, I, I felt a little safer anyway before the George Floyd uh, fiasco. Uh, and the Black Lives Matter rioted and burned and looted and destroyed and murdered. Before all of that started, people like things weren't so bad and maybe you could get a border or something. So 
as Brett Stevens says, as much as it pains him, he doesn't want Trump to be the candidate. He doesn't want Trump to be the winner. But still, people are those at Davos and those on the left continue to ignore what the people say. The populist voter is looking for somebody to address those needs. I, I thought the New York Times article by Brett Stevens was great for the New York Times. It was it was really really great, and he points out things that, that you should read the article and and if you're a Trump supporter, these are very reasonable things that he puts out there that Trump did well, very mm-hmm. reasonable. And if you're if you're a, a Trump detractor, it's a great thing to read because it points out things that I don't think people really remember that he did a good job as president. Those four years were not terrible years. I mean, the pandemic was terrible, but that was nothing. That was a once in a lifetime thing that happened. Yeah. The problem I have is that, you know, OK, he's going to be the bull in the China shop. He's going to go in there and, you know, disrupt everything. Well, that's populist presidents tend to do that. They get in as the bull in the China shop, break all the glass, smash everything. And then you have to rebuild and start over again. He went in there, smashed a bunch of stuff, broke up a bunch of things, pointed out a bunch of things. But then people were pushing against him constantly. Um, and. I, I still think he needs to get in there. Someone needs to get in there and clean out the DOJ, clean out the FBI. Stop as much as people don't believe in the deep, deep state. It's present. It's with us. And as evidenced by what Joe Biden has done, the work that they did in order to stop people from expressing ideas during the lockdown, how they worked with social media. And then this story comes out from Jim Jordan yesterday that a it's a government organization f f which got like tons of initials which tells you how completely out of control it is it's basically a consumer what's the what's the fin fin sanama what is it f i n c n a anyway they they find this part of the federal government that was tasked with uh going to financial institutions credit card companies and banks and saying please look and filter anyone that shows up in any of your bank statements having have the word Trump MAGA purchasing anything at uh, uh, what is it pro bass uh, pro shops it's any sports shops gun shops if you bought anything that had the word MAGA on it anything they considered to be I guess potentially leading to some sort of extremist behavior, they wanted it flagged. Uh, Including a Bible, if you recently purchased a Bible. So they just basically said, financial institutions, go get this information from these people and find out these are the these are the kind of clue words, the filter words to look for, because we believe people that shop at a sporting goods store, uh, go to Pro Bass, get anything with Trump or MAGA on it or have purchased any religious material that is Christian or Catholic in nature. We want to watch them and follow them. We want to see where they're going and what they're doing. So Jim Jordan finds this thing and says, why did you do this? Why is the federal government asking banks to do this? And then banks complied because banks know that, you know, well, they know decide their bread is buttered on and they're going to end with the federal government coming after them. So, sure, here's somebody that brought a Bible. Here's the information on this person. What's their name? Here's where they live. Here's their security number. Then what do we do? Do we keep track of them? Do we have the federal government? Uh-oh, you bought a Bible. Uh-oh, you went to Pro Bass Shop. Uh-oh, what'd you get? You know, look out. We're watching you because we don't know if you're going to do something, but you might do something, so we want to keep an eye on you. And that's the kind of thing. 
That's, they're looking for what? Well, they're looking for what they call a lone actor, homegrown, violent extremist indicators. So uh-huh. if these are the types of things that they have assessed as being those indicators. You go to the, you go to Dick's Sporting Goods, you buy a MAGA shirt, you all of these things. They believe lead to a potential homegrown terrorist. Ah, okay. Well, good. I'm glad they're working for us. So that's the same sort Davos would appreciate that that type of collecting of data. All right. Wow, where's my tin hat music, huh? Where's that? Yeah, you forgot it. Come on. I did. did. Where is it? I can't find it. So busy. All right. Joe, anybody taking me up on uh, tuition or T-shirts? It's like a giveaway show. A lot of T-shirts. We're going out of business. Going out. We've lost our lease. Everything's got to (laughs) go. Will do, Sherry. Thank you. Nick Allen. Good guy. Good hair. Lucky's got both. Yes. Um, this is a sweet moment. You know, at first when I see that people do, like, put really incredibly personal things up on Instagram or TikTok, and I'm like, who am I talking about? I put up that stuff all the time. But then when I kind of got past that at first, this is a, a woman, they're going to go, they're going on their honeymoon. And then I said, I don't know what flight they're on. But she's sitting on the flight. She's got the camera there. She puts it down so that she's got her. The video is her face, her husband's face. Both of them have um, uh, masks on, and they're on the plane. And the flight attendant is been given something to read. And it's a, it's a really, really sweet moment. Uh, here she is. Surprising her husband, they're going to be going to Jamaica. So she slips this note to the flight attendant. Special welcome to a guest on today's flight. A young man on the flight today named Josh was diagnosed with stage four cancer in June of 2020. Since then, he's had chemo, radiation, and surgery to remove his entire lung, right lung, glands, and lining of his heart, and part of his diaphragm. He was on life support twice and was in and out of hospital for years. He's fought, fought for his life, but now is cancer-free and on his way to his honeymoon in Jamaica. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> wow, stage four. You, would you, you had a problem with the fact that she mentioned basically everything that they did to the guy? Is that well, I mean, if you look at the video, he's not too happy about this surprise announcement. I mean, I think if she was going to do something, why not just say, you know, can you announce, tell the, the flight attendant in confidence you know, listen, he's been through a lot. I just, could I give him a little message about how happy I am that we're now married and we're finally going to go on our honeymoon and I love him yeah. so much. But to do all this stuff, he had a lung removed. He was in on life support. I mean, the poor guy looked like he his wanted diaphragm. to just disappear. Yeah, I mean, he's just like, ooh, he's rolling his eyes. He's like, oh, God, why are you telling everybody this? I think, I think it, it probably helps to illustrate the battle Right. So you have the details. If you know people that have his been through battle. cancer. It's his battle, not not hers to exploit. Oof. Wow. <laughs> Andrew, I think there's a. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, listen, my uh, my hat's off to anybody that has gone through cancer and all, it's just agony 
and the, the yeah. fight continues for the rest of your life sometimes. So I am not dismissing anything or diminishing the pain that poor man has gone through. I'm just saying I'm not sure it's exactly the right message. I think she mm. could have done something a little bit more about her love for him and being his new wife than illustrating the gruesomeness of his struggle. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Uh well, I don't know if he was smiling or not because he had the mask on, but he, he did look slightly uncomfortable. But, yeah, because it's, it's probably sort of embarrassing to be singled out like that. And then, But you hear everybody cheer. That's kind of nice, right? Well, sure. Yeah, no, it's very nice. Yeah. Everybody was supportive. I, I think that's, you know, it's, it's a wonderful thing that he could, could feel that. But it, it is, you know, then he gets up to go to the bathroom and it's like, oh, hi. Hi, Josh. Hey, Josh, thanks. Hey, Josh, good luck. <laughs> live, live strong. <laughs> Uh, that these announcements where they do, where they, uh, they're coming in, they say, folks, you know, f for a position and blah, blah, blah. And we have a number of people on board. They're trying to make some tight connections. We're going to ask everybody to remain seated till they can get off the plane. That's when I like ring the bell and I call the flight attendant. I've done this twice now, three times. I've told them once the, the flight attendant tried it. I said, I think you'll have a better response from the people if you, single out someone with a story as to why they're trying to make the flight for what purpose if you give the story like folks we've got a number of people that are trying to make a tight connection we're asking everybody to remain seated uh one of those people that's trying to make the connection uh they're trying to fly to indiana to go see their grandchild uh who's just been born and the grandparents have never seen them and they really want to be able to make the connection so they can be there for their grandchild's i don't know baptism whatever it is right I said, if you put a story behind it, a relatable story behind it, people will be more likely to remain seated because whenever they do that, you see people, you can see people like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get up with everybody else to act like I've got to catch my flight. And then pandemonium or pandemonium breaks down where everybody just, they all get up, right? You see people coming through. But if you told a couple of stories about the people, like, hey, they really need to make this flight because then people would be like, oh, Go to see the grandchild. Oh, they don't want to miss the flight. But just because people don't trust. They look around like, you don't really have a flight to catch. You're not trying to get off on time. You, you're you just going in with the other people. You know what I mean? Because I've, I've, yeah. once, once she did it, I told them three times, three different times, and one of the times the woman did it. I don't know how many people, but it was kind of nice. She told the story. She got the name, did the little thing, and maybe people were more likely to let that person get off the plane. Well, sure, they're humanized. It's humanized. And so all yes. of a sudden you see a reason. Okay, I get it. They need to get to do whatever they're doing. How do you collect the stories, though? How do you know who's making the connection? Do you go around, hey, do you have a good story that I could tell when I get well, back on the intercom? Well, that's why they're there for your safety and your entertainment, the flight attendants, Sherry. Primarily your, your safety. Your entertainment, too? Safetainment, it's called. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. There it is right there. Uh, speaking of them being there for your safety, a guy gets locked in the bathroom on a flight, and they can't get him out. No way, no how. They can't get him out for they just I don't know how long they're trying to open the door. So finally, a flight attendant slides a piece of paper under the door. And what did the paper say? The paper said, uh, you know, we're very sorry. We did the best that we could. Um, do not panic. And she explained to him what to do. Sit on the commode. 
brace yourself for landing. And as soon as we land, we'll get you out of here. And that's what happened. As soon as they landed, they came and got medical or some kind of personnel to open the door. And then the medical people came in. I've read since then that this guy's saying he he was traumatized by the whole thing. Uh, they should have made an announcement about that guy. And ladies and gentlemen, just to let you know, we do have somebody that's stuck in the bathroom. The person's been in there now, and uh, we're going to be landing while they're in there. So maybe everybody sort of cheer him on while he's sitting on the commode in the bathroom. And there's this weird I, silence. I, I, I think it would be kind of cool. You have your own little room. Yeah. I mean, it's, if I, I would think it'd be that horrible. And he's saying, you know, wow, that was just awful. It was, you know, terrible. I mean, it is an air. It's a bathroom. Gross. But. It's more room than your seat. Yeah, you're not sharing it with anybody. You don't have to no. struggle with the armrest. I was sitting way in the back one time a number of years ago. I admit this wasn't the best move. There's two bathrooms back there. I'm all the way in the back. And I was at the one, I think it was F, C, it was on the aisle. And every time the person was using the bathroom, the door would open up and then close. And then poof, like a big pour of that stinky, blue, smelly sort of. Or ugh, worse. Oh, right. There's, that was that there, too. So when no one was looking, I went up and bloop, lifted up the little silver little box and then boop, uh, locked the bathroom door. Oh, so you made it occupied. Yeah, so people couldn't use it. And then you see people pulling on it. Go, I think somebody's in there. I think someone's in there. So then they were forced <laughs> to use the other one. And when the other one would open and close, poof, the big stinky poof of air would poof, go on to the guy in the other aisle seat. <laughs> I know. You know it's not, I'm it's sure not you right. Could, I, I was it's not saying, right or wrong. It's just not it's, right or wrong. It's just. It's it, no. It's not right. It's wrong to prevent people from using the bathroom. They aren't eight years old peeing their pants. It is I a mean, great seat. Sure. I mean, come on. It's a great seat if you have diarrhea, or you want to meet someone who has right. diarrhea. Imagine I'm if sh- somebody did have diarrhea and you prevented them from going to the bathroom. That's a horrible <laughs> thing. Don't give All me right. the, it's not right or wrong. It's wrong. <laughs> it's a judgment call. It was a long time no, ago. No, this no. is Yeah. Okay. Oh, this is OJ. Old John. I would never do that now. What? Like Saul and Paul. That can... <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Sit near a bathroom. <laughs> Actually rig the door yourself. Make somebody else do it. <laughs> no. Again... This is supposed to be a place where we're safe, where we can tell stories and okay. not be judged. Okay. But they, if they're... <laughs> All right. Psycho hands. No oil quiz coming up at 5.30. How'd we get somebody already, Joe? How'd that happen? She'd been trying to get on for a couple of weeks, and we just, uh, you know, there's a backlog. Oh. Lots of people trying to play the know-it-all quiz. Sure. Yeah, not for just one cookie, but Bite Me Cookies, the official cookie of the John Curley Sherry Elliker Show. Her teeny tiny puts in the box. She gets each cookie. She looks at each one, makes sure that it's okay, and then she's like, takes a little, a little, like a teeny tiny bite out of each one. And then she puts it in the box. Right, teeny? Eat them all. Lick them all. Ugh. All of the cookies. Oh, come, Sherry. I'm sorry. Oh, the cookies. 
Okay, what do you want to do? Not cookies? What do you want? Potatoes? Teeny, you got, you got potatoes in there? You want a box of potatoes? What's better with that, potato. Sherry? Potato. A potato? Okay. You know what? Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> By the way, happy, happy International Fetish Day. I don't know how you're celebrating it, Sherry. I'm sure it's some weird thing with your dog's poo. But, uh, no, um, <laughs> no touche. Um, no, the... Um, <laughs> um, I read the article and realized I had on purple, which is uh, supposed to be, you know, sim- symbolizing that you are participating in this day or that you're part of the BDSM uh, group. What does that stand for? Uh, I think bondage, dominance, dominance, sadomasochism. Good Lord. Look at the picture. Did you see the picture? You know what that is? No. You're so naive sometimes. You don't know what that photo is of? Uh, you mean the one with the lady's legs? Mm. No. Okay. It's right there. Yeah, what is that? Teeny! What? What? What is it? Is it legs? Oh, you're, 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 you're over. You're over thirty. What is it? A pair of it's a pair of legs. What is it? No. What is this it? This is it's a just potato disaster. Could she stay out of this? What is it? Is it? Is it that? I, I not off the air. I'll tell you. Joe, you know what that is, right? That photo. Ooh, I'm not looking at it. Sometimes you, Sherry, your naivete is both refreshing and disturbing at the same time. <laughs> You're very, very sheltered. Okay, maybe I am, maybe I'm not, or maybe I'm just pretending to be. Well, I, oh, I see what it, you're right. It is pair of legs. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> and take it back. <laughs> oh my God, I am. What did awful. you think? I was going to say, and the opposite is true of you. I mean, please. What did it's you think it was? Mind out of the gutter. I'll tell you later. Well, that'll be embarrassing to tell you. But anyway, yeah, okay. Happy International Fetish Day. Fetish Day. Fetish. We, we were in Berlin. <laughs> well, we were in Berlin doing a story for EV Magazine for something, and we walked into it because we went to a Berlin nightclub. It was two in the morning. We're there to do the, you know, and life in Berlin is anything but, you know, family friendly or whatever the story was. And we go to interview this guy. We happen to be there, and the guy's like, it is international fetish day. It's fetish day. It's fetish night here. And we're like, it's what night? Fetish fetish night. We're like, Finnish night? It's like fin- people from Finland? No. Fetish night. It's Finnish night. Fetish night. He kept saying it. We're like, and then finally we looked at the way he was dressed. Holy moly. The guy had like on these weird boots with this spiky spiky heel and then everybody had then all of a sudden you're like whoa look at everybody they're all crazy sort of fetish and he smoking cigarettes and he was popping back you would should do a story on me because i fix dolls i make dolls better So we're like, all right. So we got his name and phone number. Then we did a story on him the next day. He takes us down into the basement of his house. He's like, I'm the popping back. I fixed those. And he had all these doll parts hanging from the ceiling and everything. Look at this doll. I will make this doll good again for someone. These big cigarettes, this stinky smoke. All the dolls smelled like ashtrays. 
He was the one that told us about it, it, it's fetish night, Sharon. It's, it's fetish, fetish night. Fetish night. <laughs> well, if you want to be, uh, if you want to be flagged as somebody that's on fetish, uh, we're yeah. purple. <laughs> purple and what equals do you get, fetish. What are you supposed to get into? Then do what? It, they're just showing awareness that there are other types of. Oh. Adult activity, and you shouldn't be locked into the same thing. You should open your mind a little bit and do some other stuff. Got it. Okay. Right. I, 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 you need to text me right now. I, what you I, will, I will. I will.